Hello, I'm Dan. I'm the man who talks to you on Desert Island Dicks. Most of you will know that already. Some of you won't care. Both of those reactions are fine with me. Today we have the very funny Rachel Fairburn joining us. She's one half of the podcast All Killer No Filler with Kiri Pritchard-McLean. And she's funny, and that's what we like in our guests. Funny or interesting, preferably both. Um, so I hope you agree. As always, if you could give us a little rating and a review, a subscribe, a mention to your friends. Yeah, just tell your friends, if nothing else. That would be hugely useful to us because, you know, we're basically most of the time like three guys just doing this uh, off our own back. So, you know, when you don't have the weight of a large company behind you sort of helping you to push this out, any extra support is needed. Come on, let's stick it to the man of podcasting. And with that, I will leave you alone and let you get on with listening to this show. This is Desert Island Dicks with Rachel Fairburn. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian and one half of the All Killer No Filler podcast, it's Rachel Fairburn. How are you? Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. This is my kind of thing to do. It's, it's, it's morning that we're recording this, and this is what I like to do in the morning, complain, so this is great. Perfect. So we've got you right at the, the best time of day. This is the best time to get me. Nice one. I think Because the thing is, I, I feel definitely at my angriest in the morning, but I'm also at my sort of most monosyllabic and sort of least able to talk, so they kind of don't always tie in well. But I mean, by generally by this time, I'm okay, but you know. Oh, no, I am. I mean, I'm an early riser anyway, so I got up at like seven. No matter what, I'm up, I'm awake, and I, uh, I'm i angry, I'm annoyed. But, see, I get it out of the way, and then by about 11, 30, 12, I'm just really placid. So, you know, get it out of the way in the morning, everything's fine. Nice. I think these days, if I could have any superpower, I'm talking like invisibility, flight, everything, I would choose being able to wake up easily in the morning because that was the one thing that would improve my life no end I've been up since half five today because my kids and like it never gets any easier and I just think there's people who naturally wake up early and I think if I was them it would be a bit less hard it just means the day's longer and more boring I wouldn't recommend (laughs) it That's true. Okay. Well, look. So we we we've said uh, you know that you know you like a bit of a rant and a moan. So does that did that make the process of choosing your dicks easier, or was it harder to sort of narrow it down? Um, there's some things that I'm very sort of it's it's more sort of types of people than specific people with me. Um, but I think with with the three people I've chosen, the three well, I, I found it quite easy because. My sort of moods change. So one week I'll be really annoyed about a certain type of person and then I'll move on to a different thing that I'm annoyed about or this person will irritate me or, or I'll switch the TV off when this person comes on. You know, so it, it it depends what mood I'm in as well. So sometimes I can be more tolerant, but it's just maybe how I'm feeling in the moment. And this is this is very much of my moment. But the second person I've chosen will always be on the list. Okay, all right. Well, I'm interested to hear who they are. Let's get started then. Who's the first person joining you on the island? Okay, now this isn't going to be very popular. And uh, my boyfriend did say to me, are you sure about this? Uh, Miriam Margulies. Okay. I know she's a national treasure. 
I know that people enjoy her crazy antics on mm. chat shows and, and stuff and her outspokenness, and I think that is good. I think it's great to have an older woman it, it, it's still working and, and being interviewed and being interesting and being funny. I just cannot stand it. I hate <laughs> this, like, oh, yes, well, oh, well, Bill Oddie once said this to me, and, like, I just can't cope with everything's a story, everything's a drama, everything's a... It, and, like, sometimes she does stuff that isn't funny and everyone's like, ha, 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 isn't she hilarious? It's just that kind of... I, I, you know what the problem is? I find it really patronising as well because, like, she is a, an older woman and she obviously plays up to the, you know, I'm a bit crazy and I'm a bit out there, which, again, great. It's good to be a bit you know, be yourself and all the rest of it. But I, I just feel there's something so patronising about it and I don't know what it is. I just feel if I was stranded with her, it would be constant like, oh, can you help me collect this firewood, please, Miriam? And it'd be like, oh, did I tell you about the time when I was at Oxford and, uh, you know, one of the footlights, uh, one of Monty Python said to me, it'd be like, I can't deal with this. I can't <laughs> deal with it. It's, it's just that she makes me switch off. And I, and I wish it was different. And there's so much I should like about her being a confident older woman and having all these stories. But I'm just like, oh, God, please. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that sort of thing of being an older actor where you have very little sort of awareness when it comes to telling stories because I guess you do it for a living. But, I mean, comedians obviously are entertaining for a living but seem to be able to rein it in a bit when it comes to just sort of personal anecdotes in a regular setting, you know. Yeah, so this is it. Like, So, I mean, I'm probably being a bit of a hypocrite here because I am quite happy to talk about anything and everything, if it's funny, in my stand-up. If someone asks me a question, I'll answer it honestly. But I do have that kind of... It's like that kind of thing of, like, I know if I'm on a radio show at nine in the morning, I can't swear mm. and I won't. It, it's like you say, it depends on the setting. It's just this constant like, oh, there's boundaries. Well, let me break them down by being wacky. I just cannot <laughs> just be respectful of the environment you're in. I just hate this sort of like, oh, she's... Because obviously, you know, when you're an older woman, it, it's like and a lot of times, you know, especially in entertainment, you, you've got no career because you're an older woman. But I, I and I think it's great that you know she's still out there and doing stuff. But I just hate the way that she sort of plays up, and she does play up to it. This like I'm just a batty old woman. What do I know? Like, and it, <laughs> if I was stranded with her, it'd be constant. Like, she'd just use it to get out of every situation. I feel like, yeah. oh well, I don't know. Oh, maybe you should try and find us some food <laughs> because oh, when I was performing at the Globe in 1974, like I just cannot be doing with that forced showbiz nonsense <laughs> and don't get me wrong I'm sure she's got great stories and I'm sure she's great fun but for me it would just be my worst nightmare I think even if you're a big fan of Miriam Margulies and I'm probably somewhere in the middle I'm, I'm sort of fairly indifferent to her you, you'd have to admit that she could be a tiring presence in a sort of disaster scenario. So, you know, she'd probably, even if you were getting on really well with her uh, compared to the other inhabitants of the island, yes. she'd probably love to just sort of like needle you a little bit now and again just to get a rise out of 100%. you. A hundred percent. And I do think, I think she'd love to stab you in the back because I know she's so, I mean, which again, which is great. She starts spoken and stuff and I can, her autobiography, she was, you know, telling all these stories about when she was at Oxford and, you know, when she um, started out in entertainment and all the rest of it. But I just feel that 
with the other two people on the island, she would bond with them and I think she'd sort of... I think they'd be a bit bowled over with her, you know, because she's showbiz. And I think that she would love that and then sort of turn against me because I wasn't impressed mm. by her. I think there'd be a bit of that going on. I'm always a bit wary about people who, you know, obviously it's totally fine to speak your mind. I, as a person, could do with speaking my mind more often, for instance. So I admire people that do. But there's a point at which, you know, people just sort of go, well, I just I just say things as I find them. And if you don't like it, that's your problem. And it's like, well, it's, it's also your problem because you haven't learned about social interaction properly. Yeah, exactly. This is, it's like, well, I just tell it like it is. I called them a wanker and they need to. It's like, yeah, it's like. It, there's a time and a place, and, mm. and I just feel that she would ruin any scenario she was in. It could be somebody's birthday. It could be a christening. It could be a wedding. She would say something outrageous and just ruin, you know, cross those social boundaries. Haven't, and she knows she knows what the boundaries are. She's not an idiot. She just loves doing it. She's the kind of person, I imagine, that if you took her to a wedding, she'd say, oh, doesn't the bride look lovely? Uh, and, and then drop in that she'd at one point slept with the groomsman or something. You know, she'd, she'd, and, and nobody knew and she'd, she'd say this or she'd say something like, uh, you know, she'd be at a Christian and she'd probably say something like, oh, I'm glad that it's worked around this time because uh, you remember when you had that abortion two years ago? She's that kind <laughs> of outrageous, unwelcome presence and I just cannot yeah. be. Like I say, some people love that and I'm glad that she's out there and I'm glad she's being herself, but not for me. It would do me in. Yeah, I think on an island setting, she would be quite tiring. I think that's fair. All right, and uh, who's who's the second person who's going to join the two of you? The second person is a, a boss that I used to have who, without a doubt, is one of the worst people I've ever met in my life. Now, I've had <laughs> okay. several jobs. I've, I've worked at a tourist information centre in Manchester. That was one of my first jobs. I worked in shops. I used to work at a rare books library, Um which should have been a great job. But, I mean, I had several bosses there who were very nice. So I'm putting it out there so nobody can really pick up on who it could be. <laughs> I had several bosses who were great. But there was this one particular boss, and she was genuinely a dreadful person. And I like to try and be, you know, diplomatic about things. And it, it's just, you know when somebody comes into work in an environment and they just create... They change everything and create an atmosphere that it's like, hang on a minute, what's happened here? Um, she was that kind of person that she didn't... I don't think she really knew what she was doing in a job, which also makes people quite, you know, defensive about things. I don't think she really mm. knew what she was doing. I think it was one of those things where, you know, if somebody's worked their way up to a certain level and then they look down on everyone else and thinks they're, they're like, you're scum now. She always reminded me of, like, a little girl playing grown-ups in a mum's clothes, you know, like stomping around and like... <laughs> but she did this kind of thing where she... Uh, I mean, I've never been bullied at school, never bullied in adult life, but she did this weird thing of like, tried to bully me. And I was like, no, this isn't happening. <laughs> like, it's not... This isn't a thing that's going to happen. And there was just so many things that she used to... And also, it was that awful thing, and this is the kind of person that I hate, right? So she was a horrible person... And she wasn't very good at a job and she would create tension and, you know, she'd be that kind of person that'd be like, um, can you come up to um, my office later um, around four o'clock? We just need to have a chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got the whole day just sort of worrying about it. 
tell me now. Don't create this mm. culture of fear with everybody. Um, and it was the, the thing with me is as well. I try and be di- diplomatic, and I try and be, you know, thinking, oh well, maybe this, maybe that. But and this is going to sound really awful. She had this really depressing family as well, who occasionally she'd bring into work, and they just walk, her son and daughter and her husband, and they just walk behind her like. <laughs> like they were as fed up of her as we were and I just used to feel mm. sorry for her family but then she was one of those people that started she started to, to do running and she'd run to work and she'd run home from work and this is all she spoke about I love running so it's just this kind of it's this person that, that it's the type of person really that is fundamentally deeply unhappy for some reason <laughs> and it takes it out on everybody around them so I just imagine if I was trapped with her on that island, I think I'd just walk into the sea. I, don't, I think me and Miriam, we could work through it, but th- but this woman that, I, that used to be my boss, I couldn't do it. And it, it's, she wouldn't she wouldn't give anyone any credit for anything. Like if someone did something, it does something well. You know, if I started a really good bonfire to keep us warm for the evening, mm. she wouldn't give you any credit or she wouldn't help or she'd find fault with it. And I remember, I remember sort of, this is how much I really disliked her. On my leaving do from that job, she turned up, she wasn't invited. And she bought me a drink. And I was like, I'm not drinking a drink from you. I dislike you so much. I cannot accept a drink <laughs> of you. And I was like, I don't, I don't want it, thank you. And uh, she was like, oh, is she leaving you today? I, I thought you were leaving next week. And I went, why would you know anything about me? You've been mm. awful. So I managed to to get my feelings out and I didn't accept the mm. drink offer. This is me. Like, if you're... She's probably the only person that I could never find any redeeming sort of features from. And, I, and part of me feels bad because what I always do is I, I have this weird thing of, like, feeling sorry for people and I, and I shouldn't do. And I sort of still feel it with her, but she was just so rotten. That mm. and and also it wasn't just me that thought it. I was thinking, is this just me? And everyone was like, she's not very nice, is she? She's like horrible. There was, there was nothing she did that was ever a positive. And I, and I just feel like that kind of vibe as a person around. I couldn't deal with that. And also, what would we talk about? All we talk about is how awful she's been. She'd probably pull me up about not accepting that drink, and everyone would be like tense. But then all we'd have to talk about is the fact that we're trapped on this island, but also people we used to work with eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one, but when when because you spend so much time at work, you know, and it's often, you know, depending on the workplace, you can see your boss for more time than you see your family. And, and yes. depending on, especially if it's something where you've got a lot of time to think when your mind's not particularly occupied, you can just get into such a, like, a hole in your head about it, can't you? It's just, and you kind of think... Like I've I've done the same thing, and I think, God, the really annoying thing is they're probably not thinking about me that much, but I'm like they're annoying me when they're trying, and they're annoying me when I can't even see them. Yeah, this is it, isn't it? You know, it's like it's, and and I think it's such a nice thing when people have jobs and they like their boss, and the boss is a good boss because it's harder to be a terrible boss than it is to be a good boss. I think yeah, it's so much easier just to be fair and you know a decent person it's so much effort to be as combative as she was it was it's just like you're coming to work every day well you're running to work every day and you from the minute you come in I mean all right I'm in a mood when I wake up in the morning but 
you know, you, you, you come in and you, you must be thinking on your way in, what can I do today to just annoy everybody or upset people? You know, mm. she used to make people cry and I just think, what are they making me cry? It's just like, I, I honestly think you can't do anything with a person like that that's so fundamentally, I think, unhappy in some way in their life. If you're trapped mm. on an island with them, they would still find something to be unhappy about. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. And yeah, the thing about you were saying about, you know, deliberately kind of saying, oh, see me at the end of the day or something. Like I, I had a, I used to work with a guy who used to do that. Like he'd send you an email on a Sunday night Ugh. just to sort of like say how shit everything had been the previous week. And you're like, I just got over all this. And now I'm starting, you know, Sunday night's already depressing anyway. And now the whole week I've got that in my head. You know. Do, you know, do you know, this is the thing as well. I think when people send emails like that on a Sunday, I always have this. I I was thinking this a few weeks ago. So if you're a kid now at school, do you remember like on whatever happened in the week at school? Because I went, went to school before we had like Messenger and stuff like that. People were just starting to get mobile phones and send text messages. Mm. But you'd be at school and if anything had happened dramatic in the week, you know, if somebody had snogged somebody or somebody had sort of, you know, battered somebody or someone was crying about something whatever happened in that week on the friday there was like that reset of saturday and sunday wasn't there so you'd mm. go away for the you'd be away from school for the weekend and then you go to school on the monday and it wouldn't be mentioned it was like a reset it was like a new week yeah. and it's like oh what's gonna happen this week but if someone sends that email on a sunday you you've not the weekend should be a reset it should be like okay well that was last week baby what's happening who are we sending either send the email at the time or don't send it at all. Mm. <laughs> and you're sitting there on a Sunday night thinking, I really don't want to go to work today, tomorrow. And then there's that. Oh, I, yeah, I can't be doing like. But also, it's when that thing of your job is your life. Like, yeah. this this woman was very much, even though she wasn't, I, I'm convinced she didn't know what she was doing. She, her job was very much her life. And mm. I, that to me is, I yeah, I couldn't. I, I, you can't deal with people like that. Yeah, no, definitely. That's the sort of they're probably going to be the one who's killed and eaten first. I, I suspect, but but then you've got to bring yourself to eat them. Apart from getting over cannibalism, it's like yeah. eating that person as well. I don't think I'd be able to eat her. I think I would rather starve than eat her. Mm. Miriam's going first. I think, yeah, it's a difficult thing, cannibalism, because you know, like you don't want to eat someone you really like, but you know, you don't want to eat the ones you hate. I know, so, uh, I know. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. I don't know if the third person's going to be neutral enough for you to eat, but let's see. I mean, it's not all about. Can- I'm making it more about cannibalism than it usually is. <laughs> we don't have to go there. It's up to you. But um, who's going to be the third person joining you? The third person is a type of person, and it's people that are constantly playing devil's advocate. I mm. cannot deal with these people. I've got a bit in my new show about it because I've noticed this happening with a lot of my friends now, That especially now that they're having children. I think it's they want to be more positive in the world. And I'm not 100% a negative person, but I do like to have a little bit of a bitch about people. I think it's very healthy. And I think you should say if someone's annoyed you. So it's like if I'd say to, to one of my friends, if I said, oh, God, you know, Sarah was being such a knobhead the other night, wasn't she? And they'll go, yeah, well, you know... That's Sarah. It's like, yeah, but can we talk about it? Because we need to slag her off. Like, or like, mm. oh, so you'll say, uh, oh, uh, Dave was a bit rude yesterday. Yeah, but you know, that's Dave. He's got a lot on. It's like, no, 
please don't do this to me. Like, yeah. stop making excuses for people. And and I, it's it really, really annoys me. It annoys me especially when it's friends of mine who are close friends who I listen to them complaining about everything. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'll listen to some slagging people off. And obviously I'm a comedian. Comedians are terrible for slagging people off. And they'll be slagging people off. And, and it'll be like, and I'll say, oh, God, did you see... Did you see so-and-so set the other week? Did you see that video they posted? Yeah, well, you know, they're just trying to reach a different audience. I'm like, oh, my God, no. Please, just <laughs> just facilitate this with me for once. Yeah. Do something for me. It's And also, it's it makes me so angry because I know it's false is the thing. Mm. So imagine being stuck on an island with these three people. And, and, you know, you'd be saying like, oh, Miriam really needs to start pulling away a little bit because all she's doing is sitting around chatting about showbiz stories and, you know, we, we've not got any food. Yeah, but, you know, that's just Miriam. She's so showbiz. These, this is, <laughs> like, I I can't, I can't be doing with it. I understand, be fair, be reasonable, but sometimes there is no need to be so even-handed about stuff. Sometimes just, just facilitate your friend going, yeah, they were a bit of a dick. Yeah, it was a bit annoying. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and especially when, you know, the person in question has been a real dick and you really want to sort of get it off your chest. And then, you know, you're sort of left kind of, un, you know, you haven't finished unloading. They sort of shut you down early yeah. and you're like, well, now you're making me the bad person. And and in this instance, I wasn't. I'm trying to say that so they did something bad and I'm I'm shocked about it. So, like, don't make me the twat. Exactly. Here. It's that kind of, it's like you say, it's that shutting down thing and it makes you go, hang on a minute, why am I the bad guy now? What? It's so weird because I think they know they're doing it and it's just a little bit of power, isn't it? Like, oh, come on. I'm... But it's also it's also the friends that, have, that, that love being bitchy. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, sorry, you've just decided to be the good guy today, have you? You've decided mm. that you're high and mighty and you're, you're hey, I'm, you've, done, you've done a bit of meditation this morning, have you? And you just think that, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm better than this. Yeah, I can rise above this. I, I cannot. It, it's... <laughs> it doesn't sit well with me. And sometimes, I admit, I have found myself going to do it and I've gone, no, just let somebody moan. Or at least let them moan and then afterwards have a little sort of go, yeah, I can see how that would be annoying. And then try and sort of suggest, you know, circumstances which make it okay. But don't just sort of go, yeah, you know, I think that's unfair. Like, don't, you know, get meet me in the middle here. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. But the combination of those three people would just be hell on earth for me. I mean, you, nothing would be getting done. People would be bitching about people. Someone would be saying, let's, you know. But also you'd have, the, the devil's advocate person would very much be like, I think they'd be like, hey, you know, you, you shouldn't have said that about so-and-so. And it's like, hang on a minute, who said this about me? So it's just going to be <laughs> a whole sort of situation of, of utter stress and I don't think I could deal with it. Yeah, because you're going to need people to complain to. You can't complain to the devil's advocate. You can't complain to your old boss. Miriam Margulies, I think it would very much depend on the day you were speaking to her. Some days she'd just go all in, and then the next day she'd sort of go, well, I think that's jolly unfair of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's it, isn't it? It depends what mood you get her in. So that's the other thing as well, people who... I have to say that I think some I might be like that sometimes. Like, I think some people think... Also, this is weird about me. Sometimes people think that I'm in a bad mood, and I'm not. It's just how I am. Like, I have this sort of... I, I'm very quiet. I can go very quiet when I'm thinking about things, and people are like, are you all right? It's like, yeah, I'm fine, why? And, and So I don't think my sort of 
the way I am, I don't think would help. People like, and the amount of times people say to me, "Are you sulking? Are you in a bad mood?" I'm like, "No, this is just how I am. I'm actually quite happy." So I don't think my personality would lend anything to the situation either. Mm. Well, look, I think you've set up a really good starting point here with these three. I mean, it's just going to be awkward. I think there's yeah. no one you can really side with at any point. And, Not um, at all. All right. Well, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. But unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Oh, right. Any, any seafood, if it's from the sea, it's not for me. That is my <laughs> motto. It, actually, if it's from the sea or even if it's from rivers, I don't even like... There's something even about when people eat duck... I'm like, oh, its legs have been in the water. <laughs> I just, honestly, anything, but if it is particularly seafood. Now, also, I had, I thought I was allergic to prawns for, for years and years and years because I had a mad allergic reaction after I accident, and accidentally ate some fr- uh, fried rice that had fish in it once. And uh, I did an allergy test not so long ago, and it turns out that I'm not. But the other thing is... I've just been saying, oh, I don't, I can't eat shellfish. But also, I don't like any fish. I do not like cod. I don't like, you know, but when people eat prawns, it just makes me like, why would you eat that? It looks horrendous. It eats shit from the bottom of the sea. It, it like, it, the smell of fish is vile. My boyfriend the other day had, had some salmon and, uh, he came up talking to me. I was like, can you just not breathe that on me? When I see people eating stuff like sushi, I'm like, of all the things you can eat in the world, why the fuck would you eat that? I hate the taste of seaweed. I've tried vegetarian sushi and that seaweed they have around it. I'm like, this just tastes like the sea. It's disgusting. I and So anything from rivers, but predominantly anything from the sea, I I just cannot bear the thought of it. But... I do sometimes see people cooking stuff on TV and I'm like, like mm. when I see people cooking scallops, I'm like, oh, that looks nice. But I just know that I'd smell it and I'd want to be physically sick. I mean, given your geographical location, I think it's going to be pretty uh, hard for you, you know, with this. And also, you know, we're saying that the food you're eating is from the plains. So it's plain seafood. Oh, as well, which is... God. This is what I was going to say. So being thinking I was allergic to things and it was easy to just say oh, I'm allergic to it. And I didn't think I was, I thought I was telling the truth, but it turns out I was just wrong. But people, even though when you say you don't like something or don't want it, they still try and force it on you. Like, oh, well, have you, well, you try, have you tried it like this? Have you tried it like that? It's like, no, I don't want to eat it. It makes me feel sick. I just, the thought mm. of it. Also, I don't even eat any food. If I, I, I cut it completely out of my diet. I don't, if I look at, Something it says, oh, it's got fish in it or fish sauce. I'm, like, I'm not eating that. I just don't want it. And I think that's fine. Mm. I don't want it in, in my body. And like, when you're saying about food on the plane, I came back from Antigua once, years ago, and uh, it was a British Airways flight. And, the, the, you know, they were giving the food out. And one of the dishes was like, it was a fish of some description. And it absolutely stank the entire plane out. And I'm thinking, why... Would anybody serve this on here? Yeah. It stinks. <laughs> also, I mean, I do eat meat, but just really chicken and beef. If I walk past a butcher's shop, I can't go in. I'm like, mm. I have like a natural aversion to raw meat. But fishmongers, because I live in Walthamstow in London, there's loads of fishmongers on the high street. 
I'm just constantly walking past going, because I, I cannot bear the the smell, the thought. And like you say, I'm trapped on this desert island. I'm going to have to, at some point, eat some of it, I imagine. Yeah. Ugh. I, I didn't used to like fish and stuff at all, and then I kind of, I like it more and more as I get older. But, I mean... There's definitely a lot of weird shit going on in the sea. And you're right about the prawns and stuff. If you saw them on land or like, you know, like a lobster, all of that, you're like, that's like, that's alien stuff. You know, that's from the, they look like face huggers out of alien, you know. And like, if you turn them over and see their underside, like, what the fuck is going on there? You've got, there's too many bits. Like, what's, what is, what, too many sections. Also, I don't know what it is. The other thing as well is, I always feel really sorry for lobsters as well. I think... They're treated so cruelly. And, you know, and they, they put them at the... I think they've banned it now, and you're not allowed to boil them alive. I, I mean, why are you eating something that is being boiled alive? It's so... I mean, all right, I do eat meat, but there's just something about... And, like, when you see crabs and... Why are you eating that? With its little eyes and its legs and it... But you're right, they look like Martians and... The, if that, Like you say, if that was on land, if a lobster was on land and you had to hunt it, you wouldn't eat it. It's gross. Yeah, I think they would have died out by now, just, or, you know, or just be sort of still wild, but no one would actually touch them. You'd occasionally see them if you went camping and be like, yeah. oh, Jesus, lobster. <laughs> God. <laughs> I went to um, Cornwall not so long ago and my boyfriend had moon marinere. Is that? I don't know. Uh, it's like mussels in like a cream sauce thing. Yeah. And he was eating it, and he ate it, and he enjoyed it fine. But for about four hours after, I, that's all he smelled of. I could just smell, I'm like, just go away, you stink of the sea. I mean, I love the sea, and I love the seaside, and I love the beach, and I'm fascinated by the creatures in the sea, but there's n- I am not going to eat it. And, and again, rivers, I'm not eating anything from a river. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> I like that you include ducks in that, just for their feet having been. Do you know what it is? It's like, some, there's a, so where I live, there's a, a boating lake and a pond and you see the ducks sort of, you know, swimming around. And obviously these are wild ducks and they're, they're not going to be at, but I just look at them and I'm like, why don't you eat something that's had its underside in water? <laughs> I just think it's vile. Okay, well, what, what are you going to wash it down with then, your, your vile meal? This is this is too early to be talking about this. It's grim. Aperol spritz. Yes, good. Okay, I can get on board with this. So I, I've only had it twice, and the first time I had it, I thought maybe it had been made incorrectly. I mean, I thought maybe someone had put some drain cleaner in it by accident. So this was like last year. It was a nice day. I was like, people were into these Aperol spritz. I'm going to have a bit of this. Ordered it. It arrived, and I was like, ooh. And I had a sip, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> And uh, I drank it and I was like, surely, because I had it in like a, a social club near where I live. And then sort of the inner snob got the better of me. I was like, maybe they've made it wrong. Surely it must taste different if different if you have it in Soho or something. Anyway, tried it again. No, it's utter shit. It's disgusting. I remember being a kid and my granddad had some gin in um, his drinks cabinet and he was having some of it, and I smelled it. And I remember the smell of gin and going, oh, my God, I can't believe grown-ups drink this. It smells mm. disgusting. It smells like poison. And then, as you know, as you get a bit older and you try it, you go, actually, it's quite nice. Uh, and your palate changes. But I do not understand how anyone 
I don't even know what the taste is. What is the taste of an Aperol Spritz? I don't know. It's just sort of bitter, isn't it? Like, they're, they're all these bitter, like Negronis. People love them and they look great. You know, they, it's like a really nice looking drink. And I try it and like, it's so weird because you try it and go, oh, that's quite nice. Oh my God, it's so bitter. Like, it sort of tricks you. Like every first sip you think, oh, I could actually maybe get on board with this. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just, there's this like real sting in the tail. You know, ah, like... Is it supposed to be so bitter? Like, why is that nice? I really have no idea why it's so popular. I just think people pretend to like things. It's. Mm. I'll tell you who would drink it. The, the, the woman who was the worst boss in the world, she probably really enjoys it. But you know, I, see, I see some of my friends drinking it and I'm going, you do know that tastes awful. I mean, there's things that I've never liked in my life that obviously you know your palate changes and like I used to never I used to hate olives I thought olives were the most disgusting thing I'd ever eaten mm, now I think they're fantastic but I just don't understand why people drink that mm. I don't know if I've said this on here before but I've noticed if there's ever a table in a pub with a lot of people drinking Aperol spritz when they leave their glasses always have some left in there <laughs> no one else's glasses do. do you know what I mean when was the last time you left a drink in a pub like it's, you never do it. If there's a table of girls drinking Aperol spritz. You look over when they've gone and there'll always be half full glasses because they don't like it either. They think they do because it sounds sophisticated, but it's like a lot of people, I think, are drinking it but don't really like it. Exactly. Like, they know. They know it's vile. They just sit there thinking they're looking cool. It's gross. People need to just mm. be honest. Okay, well, we're going to distract you slightly. We're going to move on now because fortunately you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? War films. Any war film. I'm not interested. I find them boring. Um, I find them stressful. I find them heavy going. Uh, it just reminds me of when I was a kid and my dad would be watching the TV and, you you know, he's like, he wouldn't give you the remote control because he's decided he's watching it. And it would always be a war film or I, I just can't. It's, it's like, I know, of course, World War Two was awful, horrendous. I don't want to watch a film about it. I just, last night I came back from a gig and my boyfriend was watching The Pianist. I'm like, why have you put this on? On a Monday evening, when there's so many... I mean, sure, it's a good film, and it's important to share these stories that were horrific, but no. You know when people are talking about strategy in films, when it's like, and then at 11am, we board the plane. When we land, we get off the plane, and we get on a boat, and then this happens. And I'm like, I can't follow this. Mm. Just do it. And, you know, it doesn't mean anything. I, I just can't. I can't. I just cannot engage with war films or documentaries about war. Um, I, I I just completely switch off. I mean, recently my boyfriend was watching a documentary about the Vietnam War. I, like for weeks in in the house, all I could hear was the sound of helicopters. And I'm like, please put something else on. I'd rather read about stuff like that. I just don't yeah. I like these operation mincemeat and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I can't sit through this. 
Saving Private Ryan. No, thank you. <laughs> so my friend James, who started this podcast originally, you know, I remember him saying he saw, I think it was Dunkirk or 1917, and he was saying he got really like fired up by it. And he was like, oh, I'd definitely have volunteered if I was there. And I just think... I watch these films and it just makes me feel cold and weak and pathetic and scared and like and and grateful, you know, that I'm I'm not in those times. And I just think, you know, if it comes, I'll sort of deal with it when it happens. But I don't need to sort of ready myself by watching how depressing it would be to watch all my friends die in some mud. I know. Well, this is the thing. Like when I have watched, seen bits of stuff, I get very sort of maybe I'm like your your friend because I go. Straight away, I'm like, I notice people, I'm like, you coward. You're a coward, right? And I get, like, and because I, I always think that if I ever had to, I 100% would be like, right, come on, let's have it. And I would go and I would fight. And, I, and I, it brings out, part of it brings out the worst in me because I'm going, look at this coward here. Oh, you think you're a big man, do you? think you're a big man, right? It's It just brings out the worst in me. But... Like you say, it's like I know these things are horrible, and I know, I know what happened, and I know it, it should never happen again. But I don't want to watch. Isn't Harry Styles or somebody in nineteen seventeen? I don't want to watch yeah. Harry Styles in peril. With war films and war documentaries, and you know, just being interested in history, they obviously have no problem with that. There's a point at which where it's sort of where that's your main thing that you're into. I start to find a bit like you know, there's that. Um, I think it's like on like Discovery Channel, one of them. Like there's, it's like a sort of bargain hunters, but these two guys who are just into war memorabilia, and it's like they'll go around these jumble sales or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, this was a this was this type of helmet used in this battalion at this war, and you're like you know too much about the machinery of war. Like, why do you know so much about war? It's not It's not a good thing. It should be like, we've had a war, everything now gets destroyed, and we don't collect any of the shit because it's really bad stuff that humans shouldn't have. It's that kind of thing, like, you know too much about something that you weren't involved in. I can I can understand if somebody who, you know, like my granddad was, a, a, he was in World War II, he used to tell stories about things and that, but, he, you know, he wasn't, he didn't collect anything, he didn't, you know, save anything, you know. But, you know, I could understand somebody who had been through it maybe, you know, having a connection to it being like that. But years after the event, it's quite bizarre, isn't it? It is, isn't it? You think that if you had been to war, you would never want to see anything. You know, you think, oh, maybe if you had your old rifle and you think, would you want to keep something like that? Like, maybe I guess if it saved your life a lot of times, then you've got an attachment. But then I just think a lot of the stuff, I just never want to see it ever again. Well, that's it. It's like my granddad did not want to, he didn't want anything to to do with it ever again. And I I think, like, also the, the amount of Hitler documentaries we have, where did it end? I was listening... So there was a documentary on about Hitler a few weeks ago. I think it might have been on Netflix. It was like, what now? What more can we possibly know? And one of the bits of it, it was like... It was really sort of digging for dirt on Hitler, right? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. He was a bad guy. But, yeah. but they told this story. It was like he said, when he was a teenager, he had a problem with his penis... Uh, he, uh, he used to dribble urine. He didn't have any control over his bladder. And one day, uh, people saw that he, uh, you know, slightly wet himself and there was a patch on his trousers. And I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, of all the things that <laughs> that he did, I don't think this is 
anything groundbreaking or new. That's just an unfortunate mm. incident that happened <laughs> to Adolf Hitler yeah. before he became... Sounds like the devil, ad- the devil's advocate, um, you know, doing a documentary. But like, you know, he did systematically try to, you know, eradicate all Jewish people. But, you know, he had a hard time with his winky. <laughs> so, you know. See, see, this is it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is it. All right. And what would your song choice be then? And again, anything by Scouting for Girls. Oh, yes. Good choice. I had forgotten about them until the other day. Mm. And since I've remembered them, I've not stopped thinking about them. So genuinely, the worst music ever recorded. I, mm. I don't know. To me, it's, it sounds like music that's been made deliberately for adverts. That's how it feels. But the songs are so bad. Like, what's that? Elvis ain't dead. Doesn't make any sense. It, hmm. it, it's plinky plonky. It, it's bland. It, it, it's it's bad music. Yeah, it's like it's very formulaic. It's just sort of find a thing and just repeat a phrase a lot. It's it's terrible, terrible music. But also, I mean, I don't even know what the band looked like. That's something that I don't. I, I don't think I've ever visually seen them. But I can't imagine, I mean, who goes to see them? What is their audience? The the worst people, I imagine. I worked at a festival where they were not headlining, but pretty high up the bill. And I remember earlier in the day, Iggy and the Stooges played on the same stage, but it was kind of in the middle of the afternoon and lots of people weren't really paying attention. I was like, this is amazing. And then I just saw thousands of people watching Scouting for Girls being so excited and and I remember turning to someone saying you know like in the diary of Anne Frank and she says uh, something like you know despite all this I believe that humans are still fundamentally good it's like I don't know if they are because like look at the crowd watching Scouting for Girls it's dreadful and then they went away and I thought oh this is good or I sort of forgot about them you know because you don't sort of notice them go away and then someone mentions it like yes they're not here anymore and then someone told me that the lead singer is, um, like, I think he's a songwriter now and he writes for people like um, One Direction and stuff. So it's, he's probably making more money now than he was before, which is really upsetting. I mean, I don't have to hear him, but I know that he's being well looked after and that, that's upsetting. Well, I don't begrudge the man a living. I don't begrudge him. You go and do that. Go and write that. But please keep your awful band away from me. And like I say, I, I'd complete, I remember at the time that, that hearing them and I was like, what is this shit? Why does everyone like this shit? And then you'd hear them on loads of adverts, wouldn't you? Like I think they, they, they use that she's so lovely. She's so lovely. On a, on a sort of boots advert or something. And then they only popped back into my head the other day and I was like, what the hell happened to them? Hmm. I put one of the songs on and I was just like, God, they're so bad. But but laugh it like hilariously bad. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I would, I mean, if I was trapped with listening to them, that would, I think it would just tip me over the edge that. Oh, definitely. Because it's sort of stuff, it really gets stuck in your head as well because it's so sort of simple and repetitious. It's like, it just, yeah, it would just stay there forever. And then, or you end up singing the lyrics of one song to the tune of the other because they're so interchangeable. Yes, and they like, are. You can you can sort of merge them all into one song, one horrible, mm. awful, eternal song. Yeah, yeah, awful. Okay. Well, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Chimpanzee. 
I hate mm-hmm. them. I always have done. I am terrified of them. You know, when people go, oh, they're so funny. Ha, ha, ha. I'm like, they're horrible creatures. I mean, I know we're very close to them as, you know, basically. We, what are we? We're pretty much monkeys, aren't we? But yeah. they are nasty. And I've always hated them. And I've always... I've just never... Don't trust them. And then I watched... I've always had, like, a natural aversion to them. Even when it was, like, the PG-tipped chimps and stuff like that, I'd be like, Mm. And I find it weird that... You know, you see see old pictures of them and they're smoking. (laughs) Like, I don't... That's weird. Orangutans are probably the monkey or or great ape that I like the most. They seem quite gentle and... Yeah, definitely. But a chimpanzee, nasty... I watched, uh, I mean, obviously there's all those stories of that one. I mean, you shouldn't be having them as pets for a, for a kickoff. No, right. So you're asking for it. But that one that ripped that woman's face off, do you remember that? Yeah. And then, you know, I watched, it was a program, it used to be a program called I Survived, right, which was about all these people in terrible scenarios, but they survived. For example, there was a guy who was attacked by a bear and he survived. And I, I'll never forget this. He said, I remember the bear biting my head. And I thought, oh, it sounds like someone's making popcorn. And then I realised it was my skull being crushed. <laughs> Imagine if you looked up and the bear was making popcorn. <laughs> <It> was like... <laughs> Turns out it was just movie night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> well, the bear was making popcorn. And then the, the, another story on it, and this is another one I will never forget. It was a guy who'd gone to, I don't know what country it was, but... A load of they he'd been on like a, a safari day, and a load of chimpanzees had escaped from a, a local like sanctuary type thing. And this there was about five people in this vehicle, this jeep, and it said the guy was like, we could see the trees shaking, and we're like, oh, what's that? And then we saw the chimpanzees, and he said there was a chimpanzee stood up on its on its hind legs, well, its legs, and. Standing up, it was about six foot two, a male chimpanzee, mm. and it picked up uh, like a, a log from the side of the road, attacked them. All the other chimpanzees came over. They killed two people. Jesus. They murdered the chimpanzees, killed them. And this guy managed to get away. And I think it was something like he lost an arm because a chimpanzee had ripped it off. And I just remember watching that going, I was so right not to like them. I just. They're horrible creatures and they're terrifying. Mm. Like when you see that one, have you seen that sort of meme that goes around? It's like a shaved chimpanzee and it's absolutely ripped. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're horrendous. And their teeth, like, they, they've got fangs and they're... And it's just so mad that people go, oh, ha, 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 look at the chimpanzees. Oh, my God, they're just so like us. They're, they're so frightening. Yeah, I remember seeing a Louis Theroux documentary where he was dealing with America and Americans who keep wild animals. And I think it was the first time we'd all seen the Tiger King. You know, he was on there originally, that guy. And there's a woman who kept a chimpanzee and Louis was going, well, I'm a bit wary because, you know, I've heard of their dangerous reputation. She goes, oh, no, this one's fine. Don't worry. Okay, you stay just in the house and I'll let him out. And it was across a pool. So there's a, he was in the house, then there's a swimming pool, then there was like the enclosure for the chimp. And as soon as she let it out, it sprinted round the swimming pool, saw where Louis was and just smacked on the plate glass window and just smashed the window. And I just thought, yeah. holy fuck. They are terrifying. They are, they are insane animals. I, I, think, I think 
I, you can't trust them. I bet they stink. That's another thing. They look like they stink. And they are just... But, but also, this is things like, don't don't keep them as pets. I mean, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't be keeping them as pets because they're, they're... Well, they're dangerous, but also they're too smart to be a pet. They're clever. Yeah. They're clever. They're fast. They're strong. They lack a moral compass. I mean, it's... it's yeah. And imagine an island full of them. Like, there's just... That's the other thing as well, because it's like an animal where... You think, okay, it's crocodiles. Well, they can't get me up this tree, you know, but where where are you going to hide from a chimp? Because I bet you could go in the sea. I bet they can swim. Mm. They can use weapons. They can rip your arm off. They can rip your face off. I dread yeah. to think what else they could do to you. They are, uh, yeah, chimpanzees, horrendous, horrendous creatures. Yeah. You know what? I think you've picked a great selection of people and things that are all pretty awful to live with and um i think it's going to be a particularly uncomfortable time for you yeah just thinking of all the violence of chimpanzees this early in the day it's quite oh, jarring isn't it? Isn't it? you need a cup of tea yeah. now that's what you need go and get yourself a nice exactly. cup of tea i will do and hey let's distract the listeners by telling them uh, where are you what are you up to at the minute where can people sort of hear more of you oh if, if you want to know i'm going to the edinburgh fringe uh, for the entirety of august uh, and after that i'm doing my new show which is called can i be awful at 21 Solo in London, 30th of September and the 1st of October. Uh, just find me on social media. It's all on there, innit? Nice one. Well, we'll, we'll check all that out. And uh, thank you again for coming on Desert Island Dicks today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. There you go, Rachel Fairburn there on Desert Island Dicks, which is a Sync Clap production created by James Deacon, produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus, and edited by Chris Attaway. Thanks, Chris. And as always, a special mention to John Deacon. He's the dad of James, and James invented this whole thing. So we've got John to thank for all of this. And maybe his other ancestors, but I'm not going to get into all of this because it'll take too long and... If I'm honest, I don't know the names of, of all the, the wider Deacon family, you know, once you go back a couple of generations. I wasn't given this information when I took over the podcast. I'll try and get it in there somewhere. But for now, just um, we'll leave it at that. Keep it simple. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye.